0: Aww. Welcome
1: back to our podcast within a podcast of Pottering Around, the unexpectedly gross password to Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who do not condone pa- practicing stunning spells on Mrs. Norris, even if she is a arc. My name is Sarah. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, BJ and Spencer. How are you all doing?
0: Suddenly realizing that th- I didn't even put it together, that we had another animal cruelty suggestion in this chapter that I didn't even make note of. they become such background <laughs> now, I don't even really notice them anymore.
1: I-, I am here to highlight them against my better judgment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs>
1: Um, so here we are on chapter, what chapter number are we on? 29. 29 of the fourth book of Harry Potter. The chapter title is The Dream, um, which is, in fact, part of what this chapter is about, although this is one of those chapters in which not much happens and we learned approximately nothing new. But here we are, ready to discuss it with you in some segments that we that we do here. We have a rapid-fire recap uh, BJ's wizard wheezes. Newbie's notes with Spencer. We award house points, and then there are uh, questions and queries. Um,
0: Theoretically, this chapter will say. It,
1: it, yeah, yes. we are uh, <laughs> we are in the transitioniest of transition chapters as we go towards the end of this book. So we will, the amount that there is to say about this chapter, uh, we I, we'll see. Um,
2: there, it isn't often that you get the cliff notes version of the book within the book itself written by the author.
1: Well, sometimes 80% of the way through a book, you just have to be reminded (laughs) what you're supposed to care about.
0: Particularly when your given audience really honestly probably needs the reminder.
1: Yes, so we make fun of it, but I actually like I do functionally understand kind of why we are going back to some of the same beats that we hit at the very, very beginning of this book.
2: So I'm going to ask a question, even though I know it's this isn't uh, the term for it. Um, how many children do you think tried to murder their parents after the this is the one chapter that they get read before bed? <laughs>
1: that's a really excellent question. I think that there was much petitioning for another chapter after this. And I know what the next chapter is. And it is one of the most interesting and batshit chapters of this book. Um, so I don't know if that's better or worse that the kids got or did not get it. I, unclear. Well, I mean, it'd be a... also
2: very entertaining if a parent didn't know what was coming next, and then, like, it's like, all right, well, here's the massive chapter next, mm-hmm. I guess.
0: Uh... Well, it's such a change-up, because we've had such massive chapters coming into this mm-hmm. one. We've forced Sarah to synopsize 28 30-page monstrosities, and then suddenly 16-pager where very little happens. Yes.
1: Um, yeah, there is a comment here to be made on pacing, but we will talk about that later.
0: Yeah. Previously, in prior books, these chapters have often been very difficult for you just because they are so short and so little happens, they become very hard to guess, if you're going for a Mm -hmm, bet, how mm -hmm, long mm -hmm, they will mm -hmm, take. mm -hmm. Now, under two minutes I don't think is going to be a challenge, but are you going for one or two points this time around?
1: So here's the thing. I've been thinking about this for exactly these reasons, Spencer. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Because we're very short here. The recap is well under two minutes. I do believe that I am not going to go for a bet here and just try to make up time for my extra points at the end of this. Can you remind our listeners what the rules are for the extra points at the end of this book?
0: (laughs) I will when I look them up. I'll remind them the next chapter we do when I re-look them up myself, because I don't have them in front of me. Okay,
1: if I had been more prepared for this, I would have warned you that I was going to ask you this question, but...
0: Um, you, you will and, get a lump, you either have a lump sum of points given to you or taken away given you, given the ultimate time total that you have at that point. Right. I just gotta we, remember what that time total yeah. is. Yeah, so it's so. essentially
2: averaging two minutes per chapter yes. over the entire thing.
1: And I have gone uh, over a couple of times, gone massively over many. a couple of times, not that many, but I would like yeah. to make up some seconds here, and uh, so I will do that without, um, without making a bet because...
0: We don't just, know what's going to happen. Who knows? Just going for under two yes. minutes. <clears throat> okay. Uh, so well, we have that goal written down. The stopwatch is ready. When under are... one minute
2: is a DQ.
1: <laughs> I'm going to have to I, read that's a little an... slower. No, I think... <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, that is a bylaw we did not write down. <laughs> okay.
1: Harry, Ron, and Hermione commits over what could have happened to Crouch while in the Owlery sending a note to Sirius. Hermione again has to remind them that you can't disapparate on Hogwarts grounds. Harry confirms that he was the most lucid when he was talking about Voldemort. As Ron's about to suspect Snape again, they hear Fred and George coming up the stairs bickering about blackmail. They're immediately cagey when Ron starts to question them. Hermione wonders if they know something about Crouch. Ron knows that they're looking for Boku money to start a brick-and-mortar joke shop. They might just break the law to do it. Um, Harry, Ron, and Hermione catch up with Moody to ask about Crouch. He confirms that there was no sign of him on the map, but did he leave the grounds on his own volition or not? Moody feels good about Harry's chances on the third task and warns Ron and Hermione to keep watch over him. Sirius sends back a note uh, admonishing Harry about his decision making and suggesting a few avenues to prepare for the third task. Harry's feathers are ruffled at the rebuke. Nevertheless, he spends all his free time learning stunning spells and impediment curses. Harry and Ron finally have to go to divination, though, and the heat of the tower and the fire and the incense sent Harry to sleep with Trelawney's lecture on the effects of Mars ringing in his ears. Harry dreams he's riding a giant owl to a house on a hill where he sees a giant snake and wormtail in clear distress and hears a high, cold voice telling him that he hasn't ruined everything, that someone is dead. But just to teach a lesson, the voice casts Crucio at Wormtail, torturing him and sending pain so sharp through Harry's forehead that it wakes him up. His scar is burning, and he's curled up on the classroom floor. Trelawney is excited at the idea that he might be having a premonition, but he claims to need the hospital wing. After leaving the classroom, he veers off to Dumbledore's office to finally tell him what's happening, and he tries a series of Wizarding Candy spell uh, passwords before Cockroach Cluster moves the gargoyle aside. He hears Cornelius Fudge's voice, as well as Moody's, talking about Crouch, where he was attacked, Madame and Hagrid, but before he can hear too much, Moody's magic eye sees him through the door.
0: 14387. Okay, I will call that some A lot of extra seconds to catch some up made
1: up time there. Um, so that is that is one minutes and forty one minute and forty three seconds of not much of anything. <laughs> so not
2: much that happened.
1: Bj, tell us what um, you have to wheeze about.
2: So I I didn't pick up on this before, and maybe I just sort of ignored it. But the owl re is capitalized in ways that really amuse me. Yes. Um, Like, other places don't have owlries, or this is a special owlry for some reason. Um, Unclear and kind of weird.
1: I mean, I think that it's capitalized in the same way that, like, Great Hall is capitalized, right? Just as a specific place within
2: Hogwarts. Yeah, I mean, I guess a lot of places don't have names, or a lot of places have names, like the uh Gryffindor common hall or whatever mm-hmm. like that so it makes more sense that they're capitalized um I guess I'll have to pay attention to uh the capital capitalization of other things that aren't name-based
1: well to be fair owlery is just a, such a strange word in the world that it demands <laughs> slightly more attention
2: fair enough <laughs> um I guess th- they're there isn't all that much to wheeze about other than what? mostly my frustrations. Um, <laughs> and those aren't very entertaining wheezes. They're just frustrations. I, um, B- I B- mean.
0: B- BJ, remind me. I thought the entire point of this segment was for you to wheeze about your frustrations. No, Don't it's about things him. that Spencer.
2: entertain me more than my frustrations, per se. Um Don't those and be synonymous. Sure. Sometimes. <laughs> um, I mean, I am entertained that we get constant vigilance again. Um, and given that that was sort of like a a thing that we highlighted I expected it to be more common in uh, the interactions with Professor Moody but I guess it's just sort of so stark and surprising that and my guess is that it's such a uh, typified statement in the movies that it carries out Mm. rather than like it happens often enough in the books Mm -hmm. I am also kind of really amused that the one time that Harry Potter decides to do like the thing that makes the most sense uh-huh. it just it doesn't go well <laughs> in ways that are entirely predictable um, for everybody else
1: uh-huh
2: um, but uh, I mean that's pretty much it like this is this is a as we've said many many times now a meh chapter
1: this so. is this is a chapter the entire point of which, was to get Harry into Dumbledore's office for reasons that we will see in the next chapter.
2: I mean, we needed to have a dream sequence, I guess. Uh, it, okay, so I, but I, for
1: real, that's like the most gimmicky thing in all of literature, it right? Is <laughs> it's the dream um, sequence that it drives me absolutely nuts? And I know that, like, I'm putting an asterisk on my constant defense of this series. This chapter drives me absolutely bonkers.
2: <laughs> Fair enough. Um, <laughs> if if this was ever put into a musical. It would the the uh, song to go along with this would be to dream the very possible and somewhat plot revealing dream, <laughs> and
0: that's now, what we have. Sarah, I wrong? Th- is this is your favorite book in the series? Right? Yes. It does have two dreams that we've highs, seen so far.
1: Highest highs and lowest lows, Spencer. <laughs> <I> <laughs> However, BJ, if they did make a, uh, like a staged musical of this, I would. Defend this chapter's inclusion simply because I would like to see the giant owl on stage.
0: Mm, that'd be a fun visual. I'm picturing a Lion King esque way of doing that. I think that. so, right?
1: Yeah, fun. it's got to be the articulated body that is that is floating through the air. So I don't, I don't know. You're really selling me on this chapter now, BJ. I mean,
0: you,
2: you'd probably, what you'd probably end up seeing would be either like a uh, local theater group or something else, and it's just going to be the biggest person that they have. With feathers. Stuck to
0: them. <laughs> Just carrying the Harry Potter character across the stage—that's actually yep. fine too. I'm okay with that. <laughs> okay. Um, How did you start your acting career as the great, as the great, owl. the dream
1: sequence owl? <laughs> oh God! Dream
0: sequence owl number two. Oh boy. Mm. Understanding.
1: Uh, Spencer.
0: Uh, well, as said, this is the most set-up of all setup up chapters to remind us of the various pieces that will now come together here in the last chapters, and also put those pieces on the board where they need to be. It is what it is, it is in no way ashamed about this, it is a necessary inclusion to this book to get us now into what are obviously the closing chapters of the novel. Doesn't make it the most entertaining read, but it's a necessary, okay everybody, pull out your notepads, let's check the things you need to check before we go any further. Mm-hmm. Uh, on newbie's notes, kind of things. I do enjoy that Ron viewed this as an opportunity to try to accuse Crum of attacking other people. Yes, just for purely Hermione-related reasons. Doesn't stand up to even the most casual scrutiny, much less Hermione scrutiny. But nice try, Rod, regardless.
2: Which is also really weird to do it like talking to Hermione. Like Ron is so out of his element with life that. <laughs> 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 just makes really bad de- like he makes bad decisions in front of the people that making those bad decisions in front of him is most problematic
1: he certainly lacks subtlety
0: well and i love that when these happen moments happen the most it's when he's trying to be clever he just completely lacks the capacity to do so mm-hmm. it's like this was him trying to be subtle this was him trying to you know carefully persuade her of the possible insidiousness of the guy that she may have interest in and the next sentence she calls him out on it.
1: Ron well Ron done. really does epitomize um, the importance of being earnest.
0: It carries him through so many other things he lacks. <laughs> uh, Fred and George, uh, the blackmail thing. We don't get much information about who the hell they're trying to blackmail, but we have enough theories from the prior things they've been doing over the course of this book. We get a reference to him that they're, that they're going to play dirty like him, and that they let the ministry know what he did. I've been assuming throughout the entire novel that Bagman's the secret villain, and they've been spending most of their time with Bagman over the course of this story, trying to persuade him to do things without us hearing clear and obvious progress, so I'm going with Bagman (laughs) as the person they're talking about.
2: Either that or Percy. Uh,
0: No, they specifically refer to Percy in the sentence. It would be too obvious if they referred to him. It's got to be somebody they're not referring to, Bagman.
1: Also, Percy never Uh, actually uh, makes things go, so it obviously can't be him.
0: That's true. Yeah, Percy's bureaucracy, yeah. His his goal goal is to make things stop forever. (laughs) He's trying Uh, to get everybody to use the
2: same thickness cauldrons. This is progress. He is trying to make all potions go better for the majority of the wizarding world that is willing to take upon themselves to get the appropriate imports of these cauldrons. I don't understand why you're blocking this progress, putting a hard worker in the Ministry of Magic
0: down. I'm saying that he is perfect for his position. <laughs> the effect of his position is to generate 20 years worth of paperwork to accomplish very minuscule results. And I'm not sure sh- I'm, little I'm jealous. not sure what's worse. I'm not sure what Shut up. I'm not <laughs> sure what's worse. That he d- isn't aware of that or he is and loves it. One of those one of those is the case. I don't know which. <laughs> Uh, also, Hermione uh, literally appearing appearing confused at the idea that Fred and George might actually be inclined to break the law is Hermione at her most innocent, is innocently naive. Mm-hmm. It's like, sure, they break the rules, but that doesn't translate into any inclination to break the law.
1: It's the law. This is really a, like, like or worse, expelled situation for Hermione. Yes. This is pretty consistent. This is one of those, oh,
0: please stay in academia. Mm-hmm. The real world's too much for mm-hmm. you. Um, also... When Snuffles, the wizard formerly known as Sirius, says play by the rules and keep your head down, that should be like a, a giant waving red flag to everyone that, okay, things are dangerous, maybe I should pay attention. Mm-hmm. And also
2: <laughs> a red flag for Harry to be like, I'm not going to play by the rules because that's the most sensible thing for me to do. Well,
0: <laughs> that, that is Harry's immediate reaction. So I, I like it. Your uncle, the, your your bad boy uncle, who constantly didn't play by the rules and still isn't and as a, partly as a result spent a decade and more in prison, is telling you, this is dangerous, I don't know what's happening, you should stay home. And your immediate reaction to that is to have bruised pride? Harry, come on, this is the moment where you need to have some perspective on yourself. He ultimately <laughs> listens. Spencer, <laughs> you want I have things out of this it. book that are just never gonna
2: happen. And <laughs> we love you for it. such hopes for this but... man. <laughs> we're we're, a, we're more than halfway through this series. You you might be a newbie to the series, like to this book, to like this point in the series, but you're not a newbie to the series anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you're not allowed to expect things that just aren't going to happen based on so much prior evidence.
1: Well, listen, Dumbledore or Harry did go to Dumbledore in this chapter.
2: This is Which this isn't the first time Lord, and he did spend Almost the entire book ignoring Dumbledore when he should not have. So we are in the part of the book where he talks to Dumbledore.
0: BJ, you're a scientist. This is a data point indicating that Harry is capable of progress and growing as a person. It's (laughs) only a single point, but it it merits further exploration and further study.
2: I mean, we, we have three and a half or three and a quarter more books or whatever. We'll see.
0: I, I, this does this does actually kind of put in my head that in real life, I'm the most extreme pessimist ever, but in literature, I'm a nonstop optimist, mm-hmm. and I think <laughs> this is shining through right here. Yeah, this is really
1: quite fasc- fascinating insight into your
0: I mean, outlook. he'll have lots of opportunities to go
2: to Dumbledore and, and figure out his problems in the next, you know, for the rest of the series, so we'll see how often that happens.
0: If he did, there wouldn't be a series, and I'm aware of that. <laughs> uh I will agree with the discussion that Hermione, Ron, and Harry have, mostly Hermione and uh, Harry, that if the goal of these insidious figures is to murder Harry by any means, then they either really suck at it or the plot hasn't made sense. Because they've had every opportunity. As Harry points out, if their goal was just to kill him, he was in the woods alone with one other person that they were perfectly willing to knock Mm -hmm. out. So that doesn't seem to be the goal. Mm -hmm. So what seems to be the goal, based on what we can put together is that they really want Harry to take part in this tournament. Harry throughout the entire story has assumed that that was a way of then trying to have him murdered by more subtle, less direct kind of means, by, you know, setting up a situation where his death is inevitable. But they haven't done shit in the prior two ones yet. And it also seems like the safety measures that are in place have been rather successful so far, bringing people from getting... Anything other than severely dragon-singed, which in wizarding terms is apparently a perfectly fine Tuesday afternoon. It's like a
1: paper cut. It's fine.
0: Absolutely. Just no, no issue. Paper whatsoever. cuts, however,
2: are completely unhealable and will probably get infected. Yes, um, and you will die a gruesome
1: death that Madame Pompa One of the rarest with.
2: herbs known to the wizards.
0: Yes. What you have to understand, the wizarding world was just fought with loose sheeps of 8 by 11 <laughs> That's what they were fighting with the entire time. <laughs> Uh, so it, it definitely seems like they want him to take part in this competition. It also seems like they want him to make it to the end because they haven't done anything nor have they arranged for anything to occur. So it's almost one of those things we where at this point, everyone's saying, well, you just got to take part. You got to take part. That seems like the worst advice, really, because that seems like the closest thing we can put together for what they ultimately want to happen. Now, I suppose that a certain degree, if you want to spring a trap or find out what the, you know, scenario is, you kind of have to go along with it. Nor would the story exist if he didn't. But that's the best we can tell about what they want, is not to kill Harry, for, for him to actually participate in this and make it through to whatever the resolution is. Why, I have no clue, but it doesn't seem like his immediate murder has at any point been part of their plans, because if it were, he'd be dead. Uh, we have a new, I think, curse, because I don't think we've ever heard of the impediment curse before. Mm-hmm. Is that a new one for us?
1: I think so. Um,
0: yeah, I don't remind, recognize that. Remind me what it does, sir. It, it impedes there, like, everybody around you. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping it was more than
2: that, but yes, that's what it was <laughs> It slows everybody down that's trying to harm you in some radius that is probably defined by how much power you have because magic <laughs> well, It, is, it
1: right. is a jinx that hinders the movement of your target by slowing it down or stopping it in its tracks uh, The internet is telling me that it is specifically commonly used in dueling
0: it would make sense in that regard, and given that it's being referenced in what we've set, we've referred to as the setup chapter for the end, I'm guessing it's going to be relevant in the story at some point before we wrap
1: Well, it's something that Harry seems to have bothered to learn, so... I'll well, only... Ha-
0: that's one of three things, he only going only use so many.
1: It's kind of
2: hilarious that, like, then there's the... and we just, like, scrolled through all of the hexes, and, like, I just looked at some to see if, like, they'd be cool, and it's just like... Either they're so inconsequential that that you can just pick them up, or this is like the weirdest thing that Harry's ever done leaving through a book and being like, "Oh, I'll practice that and that and that and that and that, and that to see if it's useful." Mm-hmm. And, I and, and it's it's only, we're never going to hear about it again.
0: And it's only because Sirius told him to, right? It was that like, was basically like the last line of Sirius's letter: "Of these are the things that you should learn, well, in a general category before you go in the mix." Yes.
2: Yeah. So.
0: Uh, Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a question. Never mind. I'll ask <laughs> it for later. Make a note. Great. Uh, so we have Harry's dream, which is in direct mirroring of the dream that we had at the, at the our very first prologue. It appears like it even takes place in the same house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we get a little bit of information that Harry very helpfully summarizes as, as he's leaving the room, that he is dead, that Wormtongue didn't mess up, his blunder didn't ruin anything, whatever that was, that someone else is now going to be fed to Nagina, I think is the name of the snake? Nagini, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nagini, rather than Wormtongue, and that an owl delivered a message, possibly, conveying this information. So, okay, there it is. Uh, Harry basically had forgotten the, right, the last dream because he didn't write it down first, so this time he makes the very wise decision to repeat it to himself as he's running to tell an adult. Though notably, he actually doesn't tell an adult who for once in her life could have been very useful here. <laughs> He's in the friggin' prophecy and divination room. Mm -hmm. He's with Trelawney. This is her bailiwick. This is the only thing she's good at. Well, this is the only thing that she does.
2: Yes.
1: Well, she has had two true prophecies before.
2: Right, but we're not sure that she was able to interpret them, remember them, or has any proficiency in doing divination other than... Dumbledore has her on staff, which is probably much more about his amusement with her than her skill. Well, th-
0: th- this very least seems like a moment of, okay, Harry makes the nearly knocked me out of my chair decision to go to Dumbledore right away when this happens, mm-hmm. which is just astounding. My heart grew three sizes of happiness for this guy. <laughs> He's progressing as a person. He's capable of escaping from BJ's theory that this is all a story narrated by a self self-absorbed jock. I have such hopes and dreams from this, but if there ever is a moment to say, Professor Talani, I'm going to Dumbledore now. I need you to come with me because you probably should hear this too. This seems to at least be in that category. Let's have the divination expert in the room, useless though she may be. But let's at least have the expert on call for the one moment that we cross into their area of expertise.
1: What does it hurt to? Well, have her she at would least have to, look to at be the information.
2: taken out in the middle of class. Or he'd have Who to cares? wait till the end of class. And she's going to say, you're probably going to die.
1: Well, to be uh, fair... Well, this time she might be right. <laughs> the dream seems to, seems to indicate he's probably going to die. Uh, and
0: if, if She's going to have no problem about leaving class if Harry says, I believe I've had a true vision. I need you to come with me so we can tell Dumbledore this. She'll be down with that, Jazz. <laughs> Uh, point number two, if he does reveal this to her, he doesn't have to worry about grades anymore. She's just going to give him an A going <laughs> forward.
1: That's true. He has um, himself now shown a proficiency for d- dreams that tell the Something. future. So that yeah. seems or, like he's learned everything vi- he needs. Visions of current. That's true. Activities. Yes. Yep.
0: Clairvoyance. Clairvoyance. It, this is more kind of clairvoyance and seeing that it is necessarily prophecy, as far as we know. We're True. assuming this is happening directly concurrently with the present events. Yes. I mean, by sheer framing, with the two of them in the exact same room at the exact same time, with them now describing a dead body, it could theoretically—I don't think it is, but it could theoretically be just immediately happening after our intro when they just killed a guy right there in that room.
1: It's so similar. But- I realize that it's yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I think it's we're meant to say this is con- concurrent because the last one was concurrent. It'd be weird for Harry just to have a repeat mm-hmm. happening, mm-hmm. but who could say? If
2: Harry Potter uh, took more naps, he probably would have serv- like more ably survived a lot of things that came his way.
0: Yeah, apparently Harry <laughs> maintains sleep patterns the same way I do, and the world may suffer for it. <laughs> uh, cockroach cluster being the uh, password is the most Dumbledore thing ever. I feel like if you understand a little bit about Dumbledore, his passwords are not hard to guess. <laughs> apparently. Uh, we see Fudge is apparently prejudiced against giants, even Maxine, which is. Unbranded. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have further confirmation that Moody has joined the category of Dumbledore of knowing all things at all times, as he in no way needs to deduce that Harry has walked into the room to set up, as what you said, Sarah, our most important chapter in the entire book.
2: Well, he has his eye, and his eye, like, clearly has been seeing. Being able to penetrate at least solid objects like
0: his own head to watch things. Yes, so he
1: can a thousand percent see through the door.
0: Yeah, and so there we are. Uh, that's kind of all I got for newbie's notes. Um, Sarah, Sarah, who all, who the hell all you. Me? We're not going to help you with this. <laughs> Yeah, who the hell won and lost this chapter? Okay,
1: so this is a very stupid chapter for winning and losing house points, but I do I do uh-huh. have an answer for this. If it's all me, I I can certainly provide an answer for this and justification for it, although, you know, we are really playing at the margins here on winning and losing the chapter. <laughs> um, So actually, I'm going to... Losers of the chapter, I'm awarding losers because I think it's Fred and George Weasley. Okay. Um, I understand hmm. that they are in the process of... Perhaps of perhaps gaining money for their endeavors moving forward, but my reading of this chapter is that they are getting increasingly more panicked about it.
0: That was Ron's read too. Yeah, and
1: I actually I agree with Ron on this point because like we have seen them doing shady things throughout <laughs> throughout this book, mostly around Ludo Bagman, um, but they have always seemed more determined. Then I think that there is a creeping note of panic in, in what they're doing now. I think they're starting the to feel like they're running out of options.
0: It seems particularly on point because they don't agree on this either. Yes. The fact that they're arguing over the legality and you know morality and ethics of their actions, the two of them, kind of indicates that they've you know reached that breaking point of where they're we're willing to violate even their own rules.
1: Yeah, a few sort of cracks in the facade here, I think, um, mm-hmm. which seems just not not great for them. Um, as far as winners go, I am actually like willing. I think that I've got to give it to Harry at this point because he has ended the chapter in Dumbledore's office with, with the express yeah with the express purpose of like telling Dumbledore things that are happening to him. Who knows what's going to happen no. coming forward? But this seems no. like major no, no. Pro- progress for him.
2: I'm, I no. mean, so so I'm going to take a slight issue with this, which is he hasn't improved. Like it hasn't been a good chapter for him per se. It's we're proud of what he's done. And, and I feel like isn't
1: that why you win house points?
2: I guess. I feel like it's it's usually for like actually accomplishing something. I guess he accomplished going to Dumbledore's office a little bit sooner than in previous books.
0: <laughs> also, Sarah, if you were just suggesting that he's gonna go into the office and then for some reason or another not tell Dumbledore what happened, this is the moment that Spencer riots. <laughs> this is the moment <laughs> Where a book gets thrown across the room, if that happens. Well, we'll I think s- you should
2: make sure that your rabbits are put away <laughs> and not within book-throwing distance for when Harry Potter says things that are vaguely related to the dream that he had.
1: And then perhaps conveniently forgets by the end of the chapter that he has had such dream and meant to tell Dumbledore about it. I didn't need this thought in my
0: head. I really didn't ponder that. I should have pondered that Harry's going to do that. I'm scared now.
2: <laughs> not, not many main characters can snag the uh, snag a, a defeat from the jaws of victory, jaws of victory. but Harry Potter if ever does his we best. We had one,
1: yeah. So I know not great choices, but that's what we've got in this chapter. So that's what I'm crowning. Okay.
0: The only option to get is Wormtug, and that doesn't count. That guy's life is shit anyway. A Crucio curse is just another given day. Um, And then for winners, there's no one else. No one else at all. No. Harry's the best option we got. Hermione is a pretty good option because
2: uh, Moody comes out and says, I think you'd make a good Auror. Eh.
1: I don't think that she cares as much about that as Harry or Ron might.
2: Right. Questions? So, Sarah, what's the difference between a hex and a curse?
1: Um, huh. That's a good question. I feel like we've done a version of this question before. Um, if I'm, rem- I think that a hex is a sort of like one is my impression, and I could be wrong about this, but my impression is that a hex is a kind of like temporary measure, whereas a curse can be um, more permanent. More permanent, okay. yeah.
0: We we discussed at one point to what degree certain spells can affect objects or not, and can stay on objects or That's not. That's also that true. I think we did end- that
1: between, a, I don't remember what, because we've also talked about like the difference between charms and hexes, maybe. Hmm. Um, yeah. And I don't remember where we came up on on that, but curses certainly can affect objects. I'm not sure if hexes can or not. Hexes might be more person-related. Um, because we've had things like the like Jenny's famous um, bat bogey hex, mm-hmm. mm. yeah. We may not have had that yet, but we get it. She has a famous bat <laughs> bogey hex. Um, it does not ring a bell. No, at all. It doesn't <laughs> ring a bell. that, that we'll is in a future book, but it is a yeah. relatively non spoilery thing, I suppose. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I but uh, my impression, my intuition at least, is that curses are more permanent. Um, and therefore more dire. Hexes are a little bit more... I mean, certainly they can have dire consequences in the moment, um, but that they are uh, kind of more time-limited, perhaps.
0: Uh, I was curious enough to Google. Apparently, J.K. Rowling has said before that it goes... It's based, they're all kind of in the same category. It's just it's levels of badness okay. or levels of dam- potential damage. Uh, jinxes, hexes, and curses. okay. Jinxes being irritating but amusing, hexes slightly worse, and curses the worst kind of dark magic.
1: Okay. Well, and you know, that does, we have had um, numerous introductions to the unforgivable curses over uh, the course Mm -hmm. of this book, and we have not Mm -hmm. had any unforgivable jinxes or hexes, so. (laughs) (laughs) Just
0: good fun. Yes. It requires Um. a written letter of apology, hexes. <laughs> Jinx a strict tailing off. Hex written letter of apology. Curse jail time.
1: Unforgivable. Uh, any other questions on this chapter? What?
0: This kind of broaches into just a theory I have, but um, I don't remember. Do portal keys work? On, is it, am I using that term correctly? Port keys. That, that mm-hmm. was what like the boot was at the at the beginning of the of this book. Yes. Do those work on Hogwarts grounds?
1: Um no not unless they've been explicitly sanctioned i think um i think that like apparating and disapparating um they are part of they are kind of included in the protection um charms and spells around the castle simply to stop people from coming in and out who are not supposed to
2: i would guess that flu powder is also one of those that
1: highly regulated but Obviously, we have had Sirius's head in fireplaces. Um, One might think that someone else in the castle might know that that is happening and have sanctioned it.
0: Yeah. Sure, yeah. Yes. Uh We have a lot of hullabaloo made up over the course of this book that you can't disapparate. You You can't teleport. Absolutely can't be done. Which they've said enough that I'm just waiting for the shoe to drop. That indicates that, well, yes, you can. Or what is the actual means by which people keep on doing this? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because we, again, we have um, Crouch just suddenly disappear and have all these people ponder, well, he must have disapparated, but you can't disapparate. So how did he suddenly disappear? Mm -hmm. I mean, like the border between Hogwarts grounds and
2: not Hogwarts grounds is very unclear to me. And if you apparate right outside of Hogwarts grounds and then walk a little bit, like whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Only reason I threw out the idea of a... It was port key, right? Mm-hmm. Not port. The only reason I throw that out is that we got a fair amount of hullabaloo made about them up at the beginning of this book. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. J.K. Rowling loves the Chekhov's gun. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering whether we'll see them again and whether that's an explanation for what happened. But yeah. it seems like, based on this explanation, that it's not like you can just carry one on with you and make that work.
1: No, but... As you've pointed out, Spencer, like there are frequently exceptions to things at Hogwarts and people who are able to make those exceptions.
2: Hmm. All right. Mental note. How does Sirius know anything about the third task?
1: Harry told him in his note.
2: Well, like what would be useful, I guess. More oh, like, um,
1: then. I don't know. I mean, I think that he's just intuiting things. That's probably like <laughs> Okay. I, I mean, I think he's just it, guessing. Honestly, they said... At the explanation. The last one was,
2: like, 500 years ago, so.
0: Well, it seems like just kind of sound good advice about, hey, learn how to do a few of these general protection spells so that, you know, you don't die from whatever's coming at you.
1: Yeah, I mean, be, I I only say that because, like, Harry was told when he was shown the maze that there would be sort of creatures and spells yeah. and other things in there. So I think that, like, this is general good advice. Gotcha. Because Harry I mean... is incapable of... Figuring out general good advice on his <laughs> own.
0: Yeah. Kind of a follow-up from that. Have they had a set course on these kind of, you know, curses, hexes, jinxes, thingamabobs?
1: Some of it would have been in Defense Against the Dark Arts. Um, some of it, so... But not not really. Um, they learned a little mm. bit of this in that like weird dueling lesson they had between Snape and... Lockhart in the second book? True? Um yeah. but it's not no, they don't get like a a real primer on this necessarily. And this might Do we have ever been... find Go ahead.
2: Do we ever find out that they actually learned something useful in any of their classes?
1: Mm... <laughs> well, Wingardium Leviosa did allow them to knock a troll out once. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean,
2: I guess, like, the classes that we don't see them learning the specific thing, do they ever have...
1: Just, like, knowledge general knowledge that they, from their classes? Yeah, knowledge yeah. that they gained
0: uh-huh. outside, like... No, because Chekhov's gone. You have to see them gain the knowledge, otherwise they didn't get it. I mean, but I guess it's, like, I feel,
2: I feel like in other books, like, there doesn't need to... Be, like, it doesn't need to be them overcoming something specific, but it's not like they're using a new charm or something like that in their day-to-day lives. Like, it, mm-hmm. we're not adding to them as wizards as time goes on.
1: No. Anyway. It's pretty much just what we see.
0: Uh, that, that's all I got.
2: Um, yeah, I, I mean, I always have other questions, but I think that's that's good for, for our short chapter. Yes. Um, but next chapter.
1: Next chapter. Next
2: chapter is where it's yes, at. Yes,
1: we have chapter 30, The Pensieve.
2: Are you, are you uh, looking at it with uh, consternation, Spencer, and trying to figure out what it is?
0: With that, you know, particular look on your face? Uh, yeah, my look, look on my face is starting to mirror what Harry's is apparently right now. Yes, you do look very pensive. I'm so glad you pronounced it out loud, because I swear I was just looking at that word as if it was pensive. Just, <laughs> n- was just rewriting it in my mind to fit that kind of mold. <laughs>
1: Uh, well, we'll find out whether it fits that mold or not next chapter.
2: <laughs> Less of a mold and more of a colander.
1: <sighs> okay. All right. This has been blessedly short.
0: <laughs> I quite enjoyed it. Uh, looking forward to the next chapter.
1: Bye, guys.